This is Rick Meyer, and you're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Sappho Podcast. Unfortunately, not broadcasting from Jack Dempsey's, but from my other studio, my studio apartment here in New York City with a live audience, my new kitten, Pickles. Yes, that's my kitten's name. Thank you, Julia. So I started the podcast like six years ago, and we're probably going to tell the story on the show, but when I had the podcast, I would do like one show every five months because I didn't even know how to reach out to people to come on my show. So I reached out to, I'm a big Notre Dame football fan. I reached out to Rick Meyer. He's like, yeah, man, I'll call in. Of course I will. He called in, and when I mean uncomfortable, um, my buddy Chuck Philpot was like, we were going to co-host, and we were going to change podcasting forever. Remember, this was six years ago. So we were going to try to do something different. And Chuck's sitting next to me. There's echoing. And there's a famous clip when Rick Mario goes, hey, Chuck, come on, get yourself, you know, get your head out of your ass, Chuck, because Chuck is fumbling. I'm fumbling. I'm asking questions like, Rick, when, when, <clears throat> Mr. Meyer, when did you play football? So I hit up Rick within two seconds. He's like, oh, I remember the show. That was a good time. It wasn't Rick. You don't have to lie to me. Anyway, before we get to Rick, enjoy friend of the show, the awesome Tim Montana. Jet black rollback Johnny Cash in the Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Living out of backpack, cranking up the half stack, honey, I'm paying bills. Long head tattoo, backwoods attitude, living like the heathens do. Right before showtime, putting back the moonshine, doing what we came to do. Living like cowboys on the run. Stop chasing that sad sun Riding like a renegade rodeo Rocking like a bronco, a bronco If the wild west, show me that you came to fly Yeah, we're gonna party like we're never gonna die But you're gonna be rednecks of the guns Living like cowboys, cowboys on the run I thought he stood me up, but here he is, Notre Dame legend number two old pick in the 1993 NFL draft, and the wine connoisseur, Rick Meyer. What's going on, Rick? How you doing? Rick, I got messed up with the ever-tricky Eastern and Pacific uh, time zones. It's an intelligence test, <laughs> and uh, I, was a little, I was a little confused too, but I think, I, I think we figured it out. Yeah, it's funny. It's like 73 degrees here, and I'm off today from work. I'm like, oh, crap, I got to rush home for the podcast. I rush home. I'm waiting now, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I'm like, did Rick Meyer just stand me up? So, you, you know, I, I messed up big time. I'm glad you, uh, you found time to call in, though, bro. Yeah, no problem. Hey, question. When you played with the Jets, where'd you live in New York? We looked at Great Neck, but they wouldn't let me stay in that building because it was funny that they, uh, they didn't want any recognizable people, which I thought was a hilarious thing. Um, uh, gosh, what was it called? Something Harbor. Sag um, Harbor? No, I can't remember. When let me you find out. Did you enjoy it? Like, did you have favorite hangouts in the city? You know, it, it would have been a little more fun had I not um, been rushed. You know, you get traded in training camp, and we, we enjoyed some of the stuff in the city, but I just really didn't have a lot of time. Um, Vinny Hurts is Achilles. I'm in the game, and then it's like get caught up, and, you know, weeks of just scrambling. We had a new uh, a baby. Uh, yeah, I didn't – I don't think we spent a lot of time in the city compared to what we thought we might do, but um, mm-hmm. it was still a good experience to be there. I hadn't uh, really spent much time there, so it was – we did see and do everything we could, but it went by quick because we got there so late, and then, you know, January 1st or so, we're out of there. 
Now, I got to tell you, I'm really glad you called in because here's what happened. So around six years ago, <clears throat> I started a little podcast, and I had no idea how to do it. And I think you were like my second guest. Anyway, I'm out at the bar uh, like a week or two ago, and a guy's going through my guest list. He's like, oh, my God, he's this insane Seahawk fan. He's like, bro, you had Rick Meyer on? I'm downloading this. I got to listen to it. I'm like, no, 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 don't. Don't, because I remember when I had you on, I was like all nervous. You were my second guest, and I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. And I had like the piece of paper like, hello, Rick, what made you want to be a quarterback? So you give me a second chance here. It was like embarrassing. I'm like, no, no, just give me two weeks. I'll reach back out to him. Oh, time flies. I can't believe it's been that long. Wow. Yeah, so what have you been up to in six years? Six years ago, you were like two years into your wine business, right? Yeah, about that. Um, yeah, that still occupies a lot of my time, and I'm, I'm in Napa. Uh, every few weeks, I live in San Diego, so I'm back and forth. But three boys that are doing a million things. I'm trying to keep up with their schedules and all the summer stuff. We're sort of in the middle of getting that mapped out. But um, yeah, staying busy, feeling pretty good. Um, kind of a lot of wine talk, but um, it's a good challenge. I've stayed busy doing it. Now, the wine talk, I know we talked about it last time. What got you in the wine game? Because it seems like a bunch of athletes do it. And I hear, um, I'm a big Kentucky basketball fan. I just had Tony Delk on and he was like, I like it. Cause it's, it's going to sound silly, but it's kind of a competitive business. Did that have anything to do with yeah. it? Oh yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I've always said that it's, it's, um, highly competitive, similar to, you know, the whole sports background. I mean, there's a lot of competition in the category we're in. I mean, the world didn't need any more wines or any more brands, but, um, you know, there's all these different niches and stuff. And we just wanted to be, kind of small and interesting and it's not something that everybody needs but um you know we found what we're good at and we have a great following and uh, we've made some adjustments over the years um with facilities and different winemakers and stuff but um yeah it's i i collected wine i i was intrigued by wine and i visited some wine regions i just thought it was interesting i read a lot about it Really, just you know, one thing led to another, and and it was a passion project that turned into like a real business. So, you know, it's it's uh, it is very competitive, and keeping up with people all over the country is not easy, especially with the time change and stuff, and some of the travel that's necessary to go actually get face to face with people. But uh, I'm doing my best to keep up, and it's been an education on the fly. Now you mentioned you have like a small little winery. Do people come to it? Can people visit it? Because I went to your website. It seems like it's doing pretty well. Like, do people come out there and sample it? How does it work, the whole, like, wine business itself? Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're basically mailing list kind of brand. I mean, we, we have releases and we ship all over the place, and people can order right off the site. But um, we have recently, I guess in the last eight months now, moved into a facility in Napa. So we can host. Everything's by appointment. It's a beautiful place great couple different spots to taste and you know overlooking the, big, the barrel room or uh, there's some patio stuff outside it's you know depending on the weather and everything but um yeah we're not we're not like a nine to five you know walk in taste any time we, we need to know you're coming and, and the size of the group and stuff so um we are redoing the website some of some of that information will be a little more clear that's one of the things we're working on just to kind of make it a little more obvious um there's so many wineries and um, you do have to kind of plan your trip a little bit. And we hope that the people that think ahead a little bit, if they reach out to us, we'll do everything we can to make it work for them. It's going to be great. Cause you can have like guys telling their 
like wives and girlfriends, hey, let's go to this winery. And guys are just going to want to come talk football with you while the <laughs> girls think they're going to have like a romantic weekend. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, you get a little bit of everything. It's kind of nice to catch people a little bit earlier in the day before they get all cranked up and it gets a little <laughs> crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's we we don't talk a lot about the wine when, when it comes or about football when it comes to the brand of the wine, but it comes up and we and we it just depends on what people's interests are. There are a lot of stories and people and things that um, you know that are interesting with the football angle that that uh, I'm happy to talk about. We just didn't want to pitch the wine as that kind of a product because it's we wanted to be accepted by the wine you know critics and the experts and stuff and. We, I think we've done a good job of balancing that because um, the story is a little bit different than a lot of the other wineries all, all around the valley. The name Mirror uh, Wine, is that a, a play on words because Rick Meyer, Myra, is that what, or do I have, am I completely off? No, it's, it's a little, I mean, it's more ironic. Um, when we started, our two fruit sources for Cabernet and St. Helena literally mirrored each other across the valley. They're only two miles apart, but on a map, it's like they're mirror images of one another. So we were, it was kind of a mirror wine or the mirror vineyard project. And as we've got further and further down the branding and marketing, you know, and label, um, it, mirror was just a word that was interesting. Um, I don't have an ego that requires my name on it, the front of the bottle. So, <laughs> and, and people mispronounce it and stuff anyway. So it was just kind of an interesting coincidence. Um, but it's been a fun word, and you know, it can mean a lot of different things. We're working on some new photography and stuff because there's a lot of ways we can spin it. But yeah, the real story is the two vineyards were straight across the valley from each other and just face each other and for mirror images. Right before you came on, I did a quick Google search of you, and obviously everything on the internet is true. And um, it says you didn't attend. You didn't attend the '93 draft. Why didn't you attend the draft when you knew you were going to go like one or two? You know, I I just didn't feel like I wanted to be away from my family and friends and the people that were the most important to me. And I I don't know what I would do today. I mean, it's a completely different animal now. That this the magnitude of the draft and the whole build up. I mean, the combine is a lot different than it used to be. The draft certainly is. It's a television event now, and it's spread out over more days. So. Um, I think knowing that Drew and I were, you know, he went kind of reluctantly, I believe. We didn't know which one was going to be one or two. Um, I'm, I'm happy with my decision. I had a good time with the people that meant the most to me, and there's no regrets. But, you know, seems like not too many guys miss it now, but, you know, some do and kind of have the same feeling maybe I did that many years ago. I don't want to ask the generic question, hey, how does it feel to get drafted? Who, like, of course, that's insane, but – how does the process, were you watching it on TV or do you get a phone call first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're watching live and then, the, you know, the phone's ringing and stuff too. But the minute they said Drew Bledsoe, I knew I, I knew my fate. So we, everybody was out in the open with, you know, both teams were taking a quarterback and it was kind of going to come down to how it, just how it played out, you know, whatever their decision was going to be in New England. And, um, I really was prepared to, for either one. It, it, it wasn't really leaning one way or the other. I had no, I had no inside information ahead of time. And now, you know, years later, you see some of the contracts and stuff are all done before draft day even happens. It's all just a formality. But uh, we were literally live, you know, watching from the family room and um, phone rings, and it's the moment of truth. Now I'm here in Manhattan. Giants and Jets both drafted really high. 
your opinion or whatever on Jets grabbing Sam Donald from USC and the Giants grabbing Barkley from Penn State. Do you think the Giants should have went quarterback? What do you think? I don't know enough about their their needs and stuff. I mean, I do pay attention. I watch a lot of, you know, Saturday and Sunday football. Um, those people do their research, and they have lots of reasons for, for who they took. I, you know, I, I really like the running back just because I think he's one of those rare guys that doesn't come around that often. The, there were a lot of different ways the quarterback thing was going to play out this year, and there were a bunch of kids in the first round, a bunch of guys that went pretty high. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I have a 19-year-old son. It just, it's just mind-blowing now. Like, these guys are like my kid's age, and it's like it, it went so fast. But um, it's such a big role for a kid to jump into the thing in New York. I mean, it's not that it's not big in other cities, but that's as big as it gets. And um, I wish him luck. And, it, you know, it's a lot of work. I, I, I've been through it, and uh, I hope for his sake, you know, there's a good quarterback room, and, you know, some patience getting him ready to play before they throw him into the fire because the fire's hot. And, and uh, you know, I had to do it from day one. It's, it's not easy. You grew up in Indiana. I don't want to know what school or whatever. Did you have a crazy recruiting story from any school? It doesn't have to be one of those two. Did you have like a crazy thing happen to you on a recruiting trip? No, um, not really. No, it was it was pretty mellow. I, I would say it really came down to Michigan another day. You know, with I'd say weeks or maybe a month to go, and um, just just happened to be Midwest schools. I mean, it was it was about the head coaches the institutions and the academics and all the, the whole package. And um, I remember Bo Schembechler sitting in my family room watching Monday Night Football. Dan Deardorff was doing the game, and it was Harbaugh's first start on Monday night with the Bears. And they showed this graphic of, you know, in the history of Michigan quarterbacks, only there's only been like one or very few touchdown passes in, in the NFL, not just not Monday night, but just in the NFL. And he slapped me on the leg and goes, son, we could change all that. <laughs> and I, and I just was cracking up, and it was, you know, we were Michigan. I was a Michigan fan as a kid. My parents were from uh Detroit area, and we went to games. But, yeah, I was also at Notre Dame games, being as local as we were, and had a pretty good feel for that place, too. But uh it was hard telling Coach Schimbeckler no. Um, you know, it happens every year, and there's a lot of guys. But it was um, a good rivalry. I'm glad they're still playing. It's kind of been off and on a little bit with the conference changes and stuff. But, um yeah, that was that was kind of the one interesting thing that I won't forget. There was a lot of other little stories, but uh, that, here's a guy that I'm, you know, I looked up to as a younger guy and was a, just thrilled to be recruited by him. And I had to tell him no, so it was that was an awkward deal. Now, is this you on Twitter, Rick Meyer? Because you're finally on it. Is that is that you? Who's because uh, I just actually looked you up on Twitter. Is that you? I'm on there because I had to keep up with what I don't know some blind stuff, and I. I uh, I don't know. I, I can look. Yeah, I guess you're looking. It's my name. That's me, yeah. Well, you have no blue check. How aren't you verified yet? Don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh, okay, so I'll tell you. So when when you go on Twitter, like all the athletes, celebrities, you have to get verified so people really know it's you because then people can have like hack accounts. So like you'll go to um, LeBron James and there's a blue check saying that that's 100% him. So there's no blue check next to you. But you know what? I'm going to follow you now, Rick Moyer, because now I know it's you. <laughs> Listen, you got to step up your tweeting game. You'll tweet like once about LeBron, one time about hockey. We need you to step up your Twitter game more. <laughs> I don't want to be a slave to it. I, I kind of dabble in it, and it's fun to see the stuff. Uh, I follow my kids' teams and a lot of you know Notre Dame stuff and uh, friends and 
people that are a little way more active, I guess, not a little more active, but a lot more active. But yeah, I, the world's changed, I guess, hasn't it? And I'm, I'm not really keeping up all the way with the social media stuff, but we do, do dabble in it. I'm going to hit you up with like five quick, uh, five quick questions. That sound good? Sure. All right. You and I are out at a bar. You want to impress everyone there. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you right back? Oh, gosh. I don't know. How about, uh, just because it's funny, Rudy. Oh, the real Rudy? Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. Okay, I appreciate it. You know what? I'll let that one go. That's a great answer. What item have you autographed the most? Uh, trading cards. Really? I, I would have thought this uh, Sports Illustrated Golden Boy one would have been number one. Yeah, I mean specifically, but I, I get I get cards in the mail every day. Still, I don't know how. <laughs> it, it, there's, I'm, I'm probably every single day. There's a card or envelope or two that get forwarded to me from various other addresses or whatever. And uh, so yeah, a ton of a ton of football cards over over the years, but. The Sports Illustrated thing, I think I signed a lot of those, too. That's, that's for sure. NFL draft, Bledsoe went one, you went two. Who went number three? Um, Marvin Jones. No, he went four. Uh, I turned the TV off after two. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're celebrating. You forgot three. Garrison Hurst was number three. Oh, gee, Hurst was third. Okay. Yeah, we were teammates in that's San right. Francisco. You're, you're celebrating. You don't care who's going number three. Throughout your <laughs> no, playing I... days. How about... Throughout your playing days, the coolest piece of memorabilia that you kept? Um, I have the ball I threw when Jerry Rice had his 1,500th catch. And the significance of it on top of that was it was an all-out blitz and an audible, and he went like 70 yards for a touchdown when we were in Oakland together. I just thought it was a cool it was a cool ball, cause the, especially then, you know, with all the records, and he still has all the records, but it was – they were changing every every week. He, he just kept adding on. Have you ever asked another player for an autograph or any memorabilia like after the game? You'll do the jersey swap. Have you ever asked anybody for one? No. I've traded stuff with guys because of a charity thing or, you know, things back in the day where we were, you know, or, or somebody else needed it or something. But uh, I, I didn't collect that kind of stuff. I mean, um, I, I wish I would have more for my kids. It would have been funny later, you know, if I had a bunch of jerseys. I have a few, but just buddies and stuff. But uh no, I think there's a lot more of that going on now. Hell, we, if we gave our jersey away, we didn't have another one. <laughs> <laughs> and, fin- and finally, is there a play like a championship, a play like a champion sign somewhere in Rick Meyer's house? There is. Where yeah, is I it? have one in my office that uh, Coach Holt signed, and gave, he 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 personalized one to all his former players several years ago uh, at a lose lads function. I thought it was the coolest thing he handed them out. And they're rolled up, and we all probably had them framed. I had mine framed. But it's just a personal note written on it from him specifically. And there might have been a couple hundred of us. Uh, and we just couldn't believe that he actually took the time to write something, you know, a couple sentences to every guy. That's unbelievable. Well, I mean, this this was so cool for you to call, call in. Like, I wanted to interview you again, but this is awesome for you to call in. Rick Meyer, thank you so much, my friend. Rosalind Harbor. Yeah. Perfect way to Rosalind. end the show. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> That's where I was. Thank you, buddy. You got it. See ya. See you later, bud.